Hey guys, welcome back to the Purpose of Money podcast. Today, I'm super excited. We're going to talk about multifamily syndications, how to understand the deal, and all about real estate with Sonia Rockville. So stay tuned and let's hop into this episode. You are listening to the Purpose of Money podcast, a podcast where we talk about ways to build wealth and create more freedom in your life today. I am your host, Aquania Escarnay. Sonia Rockville is a talented strategic implementer with cultivated skills in accounting, finance, acquisition, and management that made her successful in acquiring and operating multifamily properties. She has launched her career from being an auditor to becoming an entrepreneur and a founder of Bedrock Real Estate Investors, a privately owned real estate company that specializes in acquisitions and asset management of multifamily apartments in the United States. With over 422 units syndicated and operation in the past nine years and an equity partner for multifamily investments, I believe that Sonia is going to provide great value on the show today for those who are interested in investing in real estate and more importantly, multifamily syndications. Without further ado, Sonia, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hi, how are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I am excited too. This is a special topic for me because I am an investor who has invested in a multifamily syndication. And I have people always asking me questions about where to find opportunities, how to analyze the deal, and how can they get started. So I love when I can bring another person on the show who can contribute to that conversation. So welcome. Okay, thank you. Before we hop into all of that, though, I'd like to give my listeners a little bit more information about who you are, and I hope you don't mind if I take it back for a second. Okay. I want to know more about your money story and specifically, what was money like for you when you were growing up? Yeah. So thanks for asking that. So um, my family um, immigrated from Jamaica. I'm the first generation here in, in the States and we grew up in in New York and in Queens. So my parents were working class um, um, professionals, um, very much focused in trying to get my myself and uh, my sister to, you know, just do good, get good grades, go to a good school, get a good job and and you're safe. And that's that's the way to make it. Um, because that's what that's what they were doing. And when they left and came here, they wanted to work hard to provide better for themselves and for us. And so that's that's how they they looked at it. Um, you know, I I I have to say, like, there's nothing wrong, of course, with getting getting good grades and trying to get into the best school you can and um and getting a good job. There, I found though that there was just so much more to 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 that, um, that you know through corporate a, a lot more to that. It really, it's not about completely having your head down and nose to the grindstone doing your work. You really, have to be connecting and networking with people to think about your next move, your next career move, and where do you where do you want to go? Um, and 
and and then just overall from a money perspective, my parents were definitely savers. Um, and, uh, you know, th- that's another thing that's very just having having the opportunity to to learn more, being able to say, OK, is there a way to invest also to to increase? So you definitely need to have that saving bucket. Um, how do you continue to invest and, and grow the money that you have as well? Mm-hmm. Very good. So my family's from Panama, your family's from Jamaica. Most families in the Caribbean and the West Indies have a very narrow version of what we should become. Um, I know in some of my family and even my husband's family, he's Haitian descent. It's doctor or lawyer. So... <laughs> Given that you did not, um, according to your bio, become a doctor or a lawyer, can you tell me a little bit more about how you became an auditor? Um, what inspired you to do that? Yes, yeah. So for for me, I I always had an interest in business, and um, you know, I I I think that goes back to just like going on trips to the bank with my mother because at that point she would, you know, deposit checks because there wasn't, you know, direct deposit at that time. So she was going and depositing checks and being in the bank. And, you know, I I liked just how it felt in the bank because people seemed to be happy because they were leaving with money or or something along those lines. So, you know, I I had that interest in, in, in business, but I, I explored more and was able to speak to a mentor from my church. My mom thought I should speak to him because he was, he is um, an accountant. And, you know, it just, when I thought about when he, she thought about business because, you know, her, her work wasn't in business. It was in the hospital. She was a nurse. You know, she also thought, why don't you just speak to him? So in doing that, he said, you know what, Sonia, why don't you, you should think about doing accounting. Accounting is the language of business. You need to do accounting in any business. Um, and that could be a good path for you. So, you know, why don't you try doing, looking into that? And so, and that's what I did. So it was those conversations, my, my parents, kind of encouraging me to to speak to somebody else who is more in that realm and you know then just thinking okay yeah I do want to understand how business works so let me do let me do that so once you go into accounting you know um you, you kind of have two paths you have multiple paths but if you are looking to get a CPA license which I was you 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 have uh two paths Really, you can go into public accounting, which is you're working with one of the firms, and I was I got hired into what's now equivalent to one of the big four firms, and um, you could do audit or tax. And so, a, a big mis- misnomer sometimes is when I tell people I'm a CPA, they automatically think I can do taxes, and I, I do not do taxes. <laughs> um, I I did audit. And um, through that, through that's part of the certification, in addition to passing the exams, having the experience. And that's what led me on the auditor path. Wasn't wasn't easy. Um, and, you know, very quickly just being in that environment. Well, not that quickly. I was there for about three and a half years. I decided I didn't want to be a partner in a firm. 
Yep, that is definitely a deciding factor. My husband works for one of the big four. Currently, he is not a CPA. He's actually in the IT space, um, but he is on those teams. And there becomes a point where you're either going to be a managing director forever or you're going to be a partner and you need to decide, right? Yes. Otherwise you know, you could be wasting everyone's time. So it's always interesting to see the this, the roadmap that people take. And it definitely involves a lot of hours, a lot of time, a commitment, um, because a lot of these big four, they're doing a majority of the consulting work out there too. So they have more than enough to keep busy. So I'm curious to know, as someone who was into the numbers and into the auditing, how did you get into real estate? Yeah. So after I had decided I did not want to be a partner at a firm, I was going to have to make a break to go somewhere else, as you as you just said. Um, I then moved into uh, working at a Fortune 500 company. And that um, I stayed there for the majority of my career. It, I had a good progress through there. I came in as an analyst, ultimately left as, as a director, worked with great people. But while I was there, I started to think about, I, I was also impacted by the fact that I grew up in New York. I lived in an apartment building at one point before my family bought a house. And I've, I've always had this fascination with real estate. And I started reading uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad book, which is uh, a, a turning point for a lot of people. And it was just so fascinating to me how you can make, how to make real estate work. And I, I was trying to figure out how I could incorporate that more in my life. And at the same time, I was thinking, you know, in my, in my role, I'd been there for a number of years at this point, where was I going to go next? And I, I was having a hard time seeing what that, what that was. Mm-hmm. And then, um, it, then it was, a, you know, a decision that was really kind of a divine intervention. There was um, layoffs, and my group, my entire group, and myself, uh, we were laid off. And while that was hard at the time, it was actually it was actually a, a really great break because it just gave me the opportunity to to take a step back and and try to figure out how can I make real estate work for me. So I I took it as this, a sign and, you know, I got a lot of support from my husband and also my parents who didn't quite understand what I was doing and still question me sometimes today. <laughs> but, um, you know, they really, they, they were really supportive. Um, you know, I had also gotten my MBA while I was at the company part-time, I was, I, I got my MBA part-time. So, you know, I had built up some additional credentials and, you know, it just, it just seemed like this is it. This is the time to try something new. And that's what I, and that's what I did. And I dove in, I, I don't, you know, I went to um, real estate organizations. There's a RIA in New York city. I, I went to that and the, the leader of that group was Sonia, you have to have a strategy. Is it going to be single friendly houses? Is it going to be mm-hmm. fixer flips? Is it going to be, you know, notes? Is it going to, and she, she, you know, was so heavy on people understanding, finding a strategy and also just getting the education on it. And I couldn't really make single family work in my mind. It, it just, 
the numbers didn't make sense, especially for being in New York, because that's the only thing I was thinking about. Like, how could I find real estate in New York? And then one of the, the, the speakers that came to the organization talked about multifamily investing and it just clicked for me. And they had, um, uh, an offsite, um, meeting and I decided to join the group that they, that they had that the group doesn't exist anymore, but it was based on Long Island and and it really opened my eyes to what I what I could do and that I could actually create another career through mm-hmm. multifamily Zeusing vacation. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I just want to take a second to give you an update on Terry Ijioma. She is a former assistant principal who was making $40,000 a year and taught herself how to trade and eventually replaced her income and far exceeded it. Well, Terry has a course called Trade and Travel and a thousand of her students are making a thousand dollars a day. Oh my God, that is amazing. Do you know what that means? That means collectively they're making $1 million a day trading in the market, which is changing the trajectory of their families and what they can save and invest for their future. If you want to learn more about how to trade, I totally recommend you take Terry's course and check out my blog, thepurposeofmoney.com slash invest to learn more about Terry Ijioma and her course, Trade and Travel. Don't forget, check out thepurposeofmoney.com slash invest to learn more about Terry's course today. Now back to the episode. That is so interesting. So first, shout out to Robert Kiyosaki on Rich Dad, Poor Dad, because you are correct. That is a spark that has inspired so many entrepreneurs. I personally received the book from my dad when I was 16 in high school and started saving for retirement then. So I definitely know it's a game changer. So I'll leave a link to the book in the show notes for anyone who hasn't read it yet and wants to grab a copy Secondly, I love the fact that you took advantage of an opportunity where you didn't have a job, but you were not going to sit on your laurels and do nothing. You were going to learn, you were going to grow. And so you surrounded yourself around people who were doing exactly what you wanted to do. And I think that's something that people really need to understand. Even when you think that you are at a low point, you might actually be at a blossoming point, right? You just need to understand what is it I'm supposed to get out of this circumstance. And so in your case, you made connections, learned and grew. And then you found your strategy, which I'm surprised you went to multifamily first because so many people start at the single family space. And I agree with you. It is a hard stretch when it's expensive. Um, I live in another expensive real estate market where sometimes the way you get into single family rentals is by renting out your first home, right? When you're on your way to buy your next one. But it is so expensive in the DC, Maryland, Virginia area that you don't often get to do that, repeat it, you know, enough times to bring in the cash flow that you really want, um, unless you are strategic and working with partners and leveraging other people's money. And we have plenty of episodes on that. So um, tell me a little bit more about your first multifamily syndication deal and the steps that you took to find it and then to fund it. Yes, yes. So um, you're you're right. Everything you said about 
you know, scale. And, and so for me being in living in an expensive market, when I saw that uh, members of the, of the group were also located in New York, but were investing outside of New York, then the bells really went off because I thought, okay, there may be opportunities in other markets that I can in, in, invest in. And so that's what I was did first. I had to find what those markets were that I wanted to look in more closely. And so, um, you know, just at the time, the research that I was doing, looking at some of the trends that I was um, seeing, it, it looked like at, um, Atlanta was a great market. And also, um, I also, I did look in that in the DC, Maryland, Virginia area, but at that time, I just didn't see a lot of the deal flow for the types of deals that I was looking. So um, it's always good to look in multiple markets, not too many, but you know at least two, because then that, that just in case one of them slows down, you have another market, um, especially when you're starting out. So um, you, you know, I you know we we had we started looking at deals, starting reviewing deals. I met a joint venture partner in that group who was also interested in the multifamily. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, also interested in Atlanta. And so um, we we decided to join forces. That was going to be my first deal. And it was her second or third deal at that point. And so we we were able to find the, the deal through that group. And um, and then it was, you know, we we really we underwrote it made it made sense, um, and we were going back to our respective networks, and we we syndicated that deal uh, together. I love it. So let's just give some context and definitions because we do have some newbies on uh, listening to the show, and they may not fully understand what you mean by syndication or it was a good deal. So let's define that because. Some people, when they think multifamily, they think duplex or a quad where there's four apartments, I'm living in one, I'm renting out the other three, everything's great. But you and I know that you're actually talking on a much larger scale. For example, my multifamily syndication has 354 units. So it is well beyond a duplex, more than two units. And I don't live in any of them. So can you explain for my listeners who don't know, what does it mean to be a syndication? And how would you explain that to a three-year-old? Yeah, (laughs) So I would say a syndication is when a group of people put their money together to buy something. And in this case, they're buying an apartment building. We're putting money together so that everybody can be a partial owner in the apartment building. And um, you're you're right. Uh, When we're looking at deals and I'm looking at commercial multifamily deals, which means commercial technically is five units or more. And the deals that we focus on are at least 40 units and above. And we have um, deals that we have done that were between 40 and 174 units. And so um, I definitely don't live in them, being that they're in the Southeast. 
And it's it's very important at that point to also make sure that you have a strong team that's on the ground. That's your property manager. That's going to be managing the day-to-day of the property on your behalf. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think that is so key. Um, and the property managers at this scale are larger. They're they're used to the commercial real estate space and what it entails. So this is not like a mom and pop shop who like to check on your properties for you. If you've ever lived in an apartment, you know that when you have a pipe burst or a fridge goes down, you're going to call the property manager. And that's normally a staff of individuals who are there to answer your questions, get the repair technicians out. And they also maintain the ground. So that might mean a pool, that might mean mowing the lawn, uh, making sure that the trash is picked up on a regular basis. So all the things that go into managing a larger apartment subdivision or building. So just think of it that way, guys. But yes, that's a great explanation for syndication basically means teamwork, coming together, pooling investors' money together to make it happen. But in some cases, like you're just seeking capital and one investor may not even know the other investors on a personal level. So what do you think is the challenge when it comes to finding the perfect deal and funding it? Is it um, finding the investors or finding enough money? What was your first challenge? Yeah. So for for me, it was especially that it was my first deal. I had a number of people who I knew from my other jobs and my other roles who were all so interested in, in multifamily and they, they trusted me to, um, you know, shepherd through this process and they made the investment in the deal. And I'm really glad they did because I was one of the best deals that we had. And, um, you know, what was important was, first of all, understanding the market and giving them an understanding of how we looked at the market. Why was this a market? Why not New York was the question I got from a lot of people. Um, You live right here. Wouldn't it be easier Yes and no. You know, we were looking at population growth and um, job growth. That's very important. So those are all things that that we took into consideration when you're identifying the market. And and so and and, and it's not it's not easy um, to to um, to raise money for for deals. There's there is a lot to that, and it takes time to build up um, over time. But at the at the end of the day, you know, you're wanting to, and for, for me, it's very important to try to provide a, a product that we think is going to be great for the people that live there and that it's going to also be great for our investors as well. That's a really good point. So I have a follow-up question to that. Have you sold any of your deals yet or are you still in the ownership asset management phase for all of them? Yes, we've sold four of the deals. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So, so what I'm, what was harder, <laughs> buying or selling? Oh, it's it's funny because uh it's a great question. I would say I'd say I'm going to say though that there are challenges on both ends, right? There's first finding the right finding the deal. There there's also a lot of uh credit that has to be given to that because especially in today's market, um 
finding a deal that that makes sense or you know provides the returns that you're targeting can be somewhat challenging and then there's you know the changes in the debt market that that also puts additional pressure on the returns, meaning that you have to bring in more money into the deal. So you you don't get the benefit of a higher um, higher leverage um, from from the debt. Uh, on the selling on the selling side, um, you know, making sure that you want to make sure that you're you're picking a, a buyer that you're in a different hat because you're now picking a, a buyer who you you want to to know will be able to to get to the finish line and to close and go through the whole the whole process. So, um I'm going to say that there's definitely probably a little bit more challenges in the you know acquiring the deal, bringing on the deal because then you're raising the capital, you're finding the deal, you know, bringing on bringing in everyone, finding the 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 loan product that's going to be best um, pull, pulling everything together with your property manager, then you know. So there's a, a lot of coordination on that end in the in the beginning. Um, so maybe I would say a little bit more in the in the beginning. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. Now, um, for those who don't know, sometimes when you're looking at a multifamily syndication opportunity, we have what we call grades, right? So you might look for A properties, B properties, C properties, D properties. Like Just like in grade school, A properties um, are those newer construction, probably just put out there luxury, might have some more amenities. And then you have your B and C properties that they are existing. They're probably older and they need some work, but with the right renovations, they can become a different grade. What type of properties do you particularly look for at your investment firm? Yes. So the, most of the deals that we've done so far have been more in the C plus. Um, the most recent acquisition that we did this past November is actually more of a B, you know, in a in a in a B in a B plus area, but I would say overall, the properties are probably more like a C plus. There was an opportunity to, to improve them. It was targeting more uh, workforce housing and um, which are, are, are generally, you know, uh, People who are who are more uh, blue collar or working in in um, jobs that are that are like that, and so you know, providing housing to to those folks is also really important. And so that's been a focus um, so far for the deal that we've done. I like it, and I think that's important. And for those who are wondering, why would you buy a C plus property, and what are you going to do to make it more valuable? I know the most immediate thing is renovate and then raise rents. Is that also one of your strategies to add value for your investors? Yes, yes. We're we're trying to find the properties that we feel are are way below market, but they could also use some attention so that they can be, they can be better living places and spaces for people while at the same time, yes, we we would have to increase the the rents for that, but for the additional expenses to to improve it. But over time, you do have to put in the work and the maintenance to keep the property um, looking well, performing well, and and running optimally. So that is that is part of the that's part of our strategy and plan. 
Right. And don't underestimate the return that you can experience on managing a property well. Um, We've had some episodes where we talk about being a mindful landlord and taking care of your tenants. And one of the reasons you would do that is because if your occupancy rate stays high, that means the rent keeps flowing in. And that is definitely something that makes investors happy. So I definitely can understand what you're saying as far as raising the value by renovating, raising rents, but also being a good landlord. Let's never underestimate that value, whether it's a multifamily syndication or a single family home. So what are some of your final tips that you would give someone who's interested in entering into this space and they've listened to what you've said to get started? Is there any other advice you would give them? Yes, I I would I would definitely say if you're interested in in being a syndicator, you know, make sure that you have a really good understanding of the market that you're deciding to to go in. Um, if this is going to be your first time syndicating, it's it's sometimes helpful to work or partner with um, others who may have done others who may have done syndication before, so that it can give the potential investors a, a little bit more comfort and also the lenders some more comfort in in your experience and your ability to to keep the assets um, safe. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, uh, continue to to network and meet people so that you can you know you can find people or groups that you'd want to work with. Absolutely. Those are great tips and I love them. Thank you so much for sharing. Sonia, the name of the podcast is called The Purpose of Money. So I ask all my guests this question, what is your purpose for money? Yeah, for me, um, my my purpose is really overall to build generational wealth. It's for my my children and for the, the the children of the people who are who are in our deals, um, you know, I I I think about the the sacrifices our parents made to, to come here, and they created a stepping stone. And I really think it's important to to take you know think about next generational wealth and how to how to continue to preserve that. And so for me, that's that's really important. Um, you know, you have degrees and, um, you know, work history that you that can't necessarily all pass down certifications that you can't pass down to your kids. But, but if you can have a system of processes that you can provide them, guide them so that they can, they can use that also in the future. And at the same time, you know, provide good housing for people because it's a, it's a, it's a basic need. Exactly. I love it. So uh, before I let you go, can you please let my listeners know where can they find you on social media and how can they connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me on LinkedIn. It's Sonia Rockville CPA. You can you can find me there. You could also sub, um, uh, connect with me on my website and sign up for a newsletter. It's uh, www.bedrock.com. R-E, like at Royal Real Estate, investors with an S.com. And you can join our newsletter so you can you can keep um, posted on what we're working on. 
Absolutely, guys. I will put all of those links in the show notes so you can definitely follow Sonia and her journey, connect with her on LinkedIn, and maybe even invest in her next opportunity. Sonia, thank you again for being on the Purpose of Money podcast. Guys, if you like this episode, please don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. And until next time, keep building generational wealth. Thank you for listening to the Purpose of Money podcast. For more resources and information, check out my website, thepurposeofmoney.com. And while you're there, please sign up for our newsletter so you have the latest information on new episodes and blog posts. Until next time, keep creating freedom in your life today.